my, my, there are times when I just want to put my head in a dark place and stay there, okay, and just, just get on my face, and right now is one of those times. <laughs> let, let me say this again. I, I prayed this, and maybe, maybe you didn't understand me. Our country is not where it's at because of, of people that don't know God. Our country is where it's at because we have not shared God. We've not been faithful with what He's called us to do. But God, the promise, the, the folks, the promise is there. If we'll turn from our wicked ways and we'll repent and we'll cry out to Him, God will come. And it happens first individually. Then it happens corporately. And then as, as, as a body of believers catch on fire, the community starts to catch on fire. And before you know it, revival springs up and awakening begins and, and, and nations turn back to God. It's happened in the past and it can happen again. But it begins with us. It begins with us. It's interesting. What I'm talking about this morning might not seem like it has anything to do with, with what we just experienced, but it really does. It really does, folks. When we begin to proclaim the gospel and demonstrate the gospel, people's lives change. If all we do is proclaim, they don't know what the gospel looks like. They only hear the gospel. So we're going to continue a little bit in that vein this morning. We're talking about kingdom living and and what it means to to be a part of the kingdom of God. But last week we talked a little bit about the power that that Christ has given us over the darkness. And I'm I'm going to continue that. I'm real creative when it comes to titles. I'm just calling this Power Over the Darkness Part 2, okay? I'm, I'm, that was a joke, okay? I'm, I hate titles. I wouldn't title them if, uh, if I didn't feel like I needed to. We're just going to continue uh, what we looked at last week. We're going to look at several scriptures this morning. And, and I just want you to understand, this is not about the enemy. This is about Jesus Christ, okay? But Jesus Christ came to defeat the enemy. And he left us responsibility to continue walking in the victory that he had already won. See, the enemy is defeated. Our job is to ensure and to continue to, to, to keep authority in that place and to extend the kingdom out. It's to enforce. I've got a friend that puts it that way. Our job is to enforce the victory. Does that make sense? We're here to enforce it. We've been delegated, and we talked a little bit last week about delegated authority. But every kingdom has enemies. How many of you realize that? Every, there's, all, there's always been rebels, okay? Rebels. There always been those that would not bend or bow to the authorities that God had put in place. That's, that's the way it's always been. There's always been enemies of every state. And, and how much more so, if that's true in the natural world, is it true in the, in the supernatural world? God has an enemy. Amen? Okay, y'all, y'all are, y'all gonna have to... We don't live under guilt and condemnation, so just get that off of you right now. We prayed, we asked God to forgive us. Now we're going to move past that and learn how to apply that forgiveness. Okay, y'all with me? Does that make sense? I can see some of you just, you know. Every once in a while we need to be reminded that repentance is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. It doesn't mean that we bow our head and and act like we're beating it. It means we lift up our head and we look God face to face and say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I blew it. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm wrong. You're right. That's what repentance is. It means not to just turn and go another direction. It means to return back to God. And so if if you've returned back to God, there's joy in His presence, okay? So let's get the condemnation and the guilt off of us. Amen? Everybody take a deep breath. Shake that stuff off. Okay. God's not doing this in heaven. Everybody with me? All right. Let's let's go back to where we were. God has an enemy, and His kingdom has an enemy. 
And last week, and, and you know the enemy. The enemy is, 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 is the kingdom of darkness. It's led by the devil. And he has a very well-defined, very organized government and, 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 and huge amount of forces, the demonic forces. And, you know, if, if it would do us well to understand that and, and to at least live like it's true. How many of you believe in a devil? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just kind of, I mean, he's real. He's as real as you are. Okay? He's as real as you are. He's as real as that person sitting next to you. But it's hot, you know, it's kind of high time we stop being naive about him. It's time we realized that we can't ignore him and we can't be ignorant of him. There, there's two positions. We can see a, a demon behind every bush. Or we can act like there's no such thing. And that's really where the devil wants us, in either of those places. There, there, that's the ditch on the right side of the road and the ditch on the left side of the road. There is a, a center line where we need to be, and that is a healthy understanding that the devil's real, and his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And if his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, I don't need to be ignorant, and I don't need to ignore him. Because if I'm ignorant of him, guess what he will do? He will destroy me. If I'm if 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 I ignore him, guess what he will do? He will destroy me. So there's a place in the middle of the road where I am aware that he's there. I don't focus on him. But you know what? I don't act like he's not there. I don't turn my back on him. I trust God to work, but at the same time, I'm gonna keep an eye on him. If if there's somebody in my neighborhood. I live out in the boondocks, okay, so my neighborhood's pretty big. But, but I know pretty much if I see a vehicle come through that doesn't belong there and it poking around, you know what I do? I don't just ignore it and go in the house. I kind of, I'm not like Miss Kravitz, you know. I'm not constantly trying to see what's going on, but, but I pay attention to it. You do the same thing. If there's, if there's somebody in your neighborhood walking around that's not normally there, you don't leave your kids out in the yard and just go in the house, do you? You kind of stay out there and watch. There's no, it's no different, folks, with the enemy. He's lurking around. The Bible says that he roams to and fro, seeking somebody to destroy. So if he's seeking somebody to destroy, I'm not going to let it be me. Okay? I, I, I don't want it to be you, but you're going to have to learn to stand up. This is the purpose of why we're here. It's to learn how to do this. So that's what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about. Fair enough? I may get a little passionate about this. Because I'm tired of seeing the devil destroy people's lives. And God has given us authority over him. Okay? All right. Now, the body of Christ, the church, not the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, the Catholic church, not that church. I'm talking about believers, people who, who have asked Christ to be their Savior. They make up the church. The church was birthed to, to proclaim the gospel. And they were birthed to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came, to, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, God's gospel, God's good news, and to destroy the works of the devil. And He authorized us to do the same thing. So, it's interesting that the early church proclaimed the gospel and demonstrated it. And the church today just proclaims it. We talk about it. We don't always live it out. We don't always demonstrate what it looks like to those who are around us. And that's why people don't pay any attention. That's why... We're in the state that we're in. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. We looked at this verse last week, but this would be one that you might want to memorize. Paul says this, For the kingdom of God does not consist. That word consist does not just operate. Does not, that's not all it is. He says, The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Folks, the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It's lived in the power of God. It's proclaimed and demonstrated. The Bible knows nothing about a powerless gospel. 
The message of Jesus Christ changed lives. It changes lives. It has the power to turn a terrible situation upside down and inside out. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom, is powerful. But it's not just to be proclaimed, folks. It's to be demonstrated, to be lived out. Whenever it's proclaimed and demonstrated, it destroys the works of darkness that the the devil tries to put in place. If it doesn't, it's not the gospel. I'm going to say that again. If there's no power in it, it's not the gospel that Jesus preached. It's not the gospel that Jesus died for. It's not the gospel that the apostles preached. It's not the gospel that the disciples over the first three or four centuries of the early church died for. It's not the gospel that that men and women through the centuries have stood for and died for. If it has no power, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It may sound good, but it has no power. Folks, whenever the gospel is proclaimed and demonstrated, things have to change. They cannot remain the same. We talked a great deal last week about delegated authority. And I'm just going to remind you of what that means. It's the authority to act in Jesus' name. That's all delegated authority is. And He has given every one of His children authority to act in His name. He's he's deputized us in a manner of speaking. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go ye, go you, 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 you. Therefore, and make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you. All is the most important word in that passage. All, not a little bit, all. In other words, proclaim it and demonstrate it. Do what I did. Do what I taught the disciples to do, the apostles to do. Do it just like we did it. Folks, as as believers, we've been authorized and we've been... Uh, we've been delegated to do that. We are ambassadors, and I've said this before, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. That means that wherever we go, the kingdom we know the kingdom of God is within us. Amen? Y'all going to have to help me a little bit this morning. The kingdom of God is within us. That's what Jesus said. It's come near. It is within us. So wherever we go, the kingdom of God goes. Amen? Wherever we go, Jesus is there. Jesus is there. That means we carry God's presence, but not just His presence, we carry His power. Now you may feel powerless, and you may feel like you don't have any spiritual power, but you do. It's in there. Because the Holy Spirit resides in you. And Scripture says He is the same person who God used His power to raise Jesus from the dead. You have resurrection power within you. Resurrection power means you have within you the ability and the strength Should God say do this, that you can do whatever He says do. You can literally bring whatever is dead back to life. You can apply that in marriages. You can apply that in children's lives. You can apply that at work. You can apply as far and wide. Whatever is dead, God has given us the ability. So he, if He should so move in that situation to give life back to it. That's what resurrection power is. It raised Jesus from the dead. And He's given it to us. Folks, we have life-changing power. We've, we've been trained to proclaim that. But we've not been trained to demonstrate it. Now, I don't want you to think that, that I'm a miracle-a-minute person, okay? I don't see miracles happen every minute around me. Boy, I, I want to. Let me just tell you. I, you may think that's nuts, but I want to. I'd love to walk by and... and, and cast a shadow and people get healed as they pass through it. It isn't happening yet. But it has happened in Scripture. I'd like to walk on water. It hadn't happened yet. But it happened before. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who Jesus is. But miracles 
are more than just healing, folks. They're more than just amazing sign and wonder things. They're also simple things like loving somebody. Stopping and talking to somebody that I wouldn't normally stop and talk to. Somebody that's not like me. Somebody that doesn't like me. Somebody that, that, that I kind of have to go out of my way to, to, to go over and speak to. You know, that's, that's, that's kingdom living just as much as a miracle is. Do you realize that, that you can speak a word, just a word, into somebody's life and a transformation can take place? Folks, I have seen that happen over and over and over. The Spirit of God said, say this to that person. Ask them if you can pray for them. Go over and give them a hug. And God just moved. Did they grow a, a limb that had been short? Or did their eye that was blind see again? Not necessarily, but a miracle took place in their life. So I, I don't want you to get all hung up on... When I talk about miracles, I'm not just limiting it to healings and things like that. There are a lot of miracles that took place. There are a lot of things that take place that are supernatural. So we've been trained to proclaim, but, but not always to demonstrate. It's, it's, you know, we can, most of us know the gospel. We could share it if we wanted to, and that's our problem. We don't want to. Okay? We could share it if we wanted to. Jesus never just did one. He never just proclaimed. He always demonstrated. Or He demonstrated and then proclaimed. It can happen either way. Okay, There were times when He would heal, or He would stop and talk to somebody, and then He would proclaim. I mean, He fed the 5,000, but He didn't preach first. He didn't proclaim first. He met the need that they had, and really that's what I'm talking about, is learning to meet the needs of the people around you in the way that God wants us to meet them. Folks, Regular people. I can't, I can't emphasize this. The older I get and the more and more I read Scripture, the more I understand that the people in this book were just regular people. Warts and blemishes. Their noses ran. They sweated. They stunk when they sweated. I mean, I could go on and on and on. They were just regular people like us. And God used them. Regular people like us believed the gospel of Jesus Christ and in less than 300 years turned the world upside down. How? They didn't march. They didn't go to the, to the, to the governments and change the laws. They just went to the person that they washed their clothes by every day or to the market where they bought their food and they told them about Jesus Christ. And they demonstrated that love and that gospel. Folks, the demonstrations, like I said, sometimes it's a sign, sometimes it's a, it's a miracle, sometimes though it's just an act of love, always validates the proclamation of the gospel. So we've got to learn to demonstrate it as well as, as proclaim it. Tragically though, something happened. I'm going to give you a little history this morning. Something happened to that practice of of proclaiming and demonstrating. The first three or four hundred years of the church, that was pretty much standard operating procedure. That's what everybody did. And then all of a sudden, as the church began to grow and, and the persecutions against the church stopped, what happened is the church kind of kicked into neutral. And, and they decided that, you know what, well, we need a little bit better government. We little, need a little bit better organization. And there's nothing wrong with organization, and there's nothing wrong with government, okay? You, you need leaders. But what happened is, is, is leadership started to do this. You had a handful at the top and a lot at the bottom. Sounds sort of like where we live at today, amen? Although we live in a democracy and we live in a republic, there's a handful of people that control our country. And they may not even be in government. You do understand that, don't you? Okay. But what happened is, all of a sudden, regular people like us stopped proclaiming. Why? Because 
those that have gotten a little education and have studied could do a better job of it. And so what happened is, is all of the, the proclamation got centered in the priests. And not just the proclamation. The priests enjoyed the proclamation so much, they decided, hey, we need the power too. So they decided that proclaiming and demonstrating needed to be done by people who had education, who understood God better than the average person. Now, does that bother y'all? It should, okay? It should. And so what happened is, is before long, the power to, to act in the Holy Spirit became centered in the bishop. Okay? You just read church history. It's, this is not something you can't find on your own. If you, if you studied uh, Western civilization, you, you've studied this, whether you realize it or not. Well, then what happened is the bishops decided we need one bishop to be in charge. And what happened is a whole system of religion fell into place. In essence, the church wanted a king. You remember Israel? God said, I am your king and I will take care of you. But what did Israel want? We want a king. We want a king. We want a king. God took them out of Egypt, gave them the law, led them for 40 years, took them into the land, conquered the land. We want a king. We want a king. I'm your king. We want a king. We want one we can see, that we can touch. And what happened? God said, okay, I'm going to give them what they want. And he did. You know what the church did? The same thing. The very same thing. We want a king. I'm your king. We want a king we can see and we can touch. And so God said, I'm going to let you have your way. And the devil gave a king to us. Now this is going to maybe offend you when I say this, but you know what we call them today? Priests, pastors, preachers. Folks, you know the only difference in me and you is I'm standing up and you're sitting down. That's pretty much it. I put my pants on every morning one leg at a time. I've been to school, yeah. Some of y'all been to school too. I drive a car. Some of y'all been to driver school. Y'all drive trucks. See, we're all the same. What happened is somewhere in the, that first four or five hundred years, we, left, we lost something. It's called the priesthood of the believer. We don't talk about that very much. But every one of us is a priest. If you're a believer, you are a priest unto God. That's what he says in First Peter. We are a priesthood. And every one of us have the ability and the authority to act in the place of God. We are the ambassadors in the physical realm. And just because I stand up and I proclaim, and just because I've been to seminary or Bible college or read this book or heard Dr. Puffin stuff or whoever, it doesn't mean that you can't do the very same thing. you got a book too. This is the instruction book. Seminary was not the instruction book. This is the instruction book. And guess what? You don't have to know how to read Greek and Hebrew to know what this says. You can read it in English. Okay, it's, it, the translations are really, really good. I'm preaching on something I wasn't going to preach on. But anyway, I think it's important. I want you to understand that we lost. We lost not just the proclamation, declaration, but what happened over, over that period of time, we lost the gospel. And the gospel of grace became a gospel of works. And you had to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And then God would love you and accept you. And the Reformation changed that, that it was by grace, through faith in the Word of God, in what God had said in Jesus Christ. But we've never gotten that out of our minds. We still believe we will say we believe in grace, but we live like we've got to please God and work for God, and if we don't work hard enough, He doesn't love us enough. Okay, 
That's the, the residue of the garbage that the devil put on us. But what happened, what, I've got to get back to my thing or we'll never get out of here today. The result of, of, of giving over our right to walk in the authority of Jesus Christ has produced a church that for 1,600 years, folks, 1,600 years has been deficient. People have been saved, but not nearly as many as could have been saved. The church has walked in debauchery. I'm just going to use that word, okay? If, if, you, if you just took a little time and read the history of the church, you know how a lot of bishops got to be bishops? Or their family knew somebody? Do you think they had any power? They had earthly power, but they had no heavenly power. And the devil was free to do what he wanted to do. Folks, that has to change. That has to change. A pastor here and a pastor there can't change that. But a church of people who understand the power that is inside them because the Spirit of God there can change it. We may not can change the world at once, but you know what? We can change this church, and we can change this community, and this community can change the next community, and the next community, and before long you've changed a county, and a county can change a state, and a state can change a nation. And folks, in the meantime, the world starts to change. But it won't happen with just proclamation. It takes demonstration. Jesus authorized us, folks. Jesus authorized us and empowered us to do it. So we have to do it. Now here's my question. If that's so, if that's so, and I challenge you to read the Gospels and the book of Acts and the epistles. In fact, just read from, from cover to cover. I challenge you that the, that the book teaches that, that He has given us the authority to proclaim and to demonstrate the Gospel. If that's so, then why not this church? Why can't this church do that? We're not going to be concerned today about all the rest of the churches. Okay? I, can, I, I don't pastor them. I have no authority over them. But what if we decided that we were going to be a body of believers who changed the world with the power of the Gospel? Listen to me. We're not going to change it with money. There's just not enough of us. And besides that, throwing money at problems never works. It just creates bigger problems. We're not going to change it because we've got a church filled with people in high positions. We do have people who are leaders in the community. But you know what? It's not the leadership that changes. That's where it starts. And whether you realize it or not, we're leaders in our communities because we're leaders in our home. You know, I see lots of activity. And this isn't a, this isn't a, a judgment. It's just the truth. I've, I've, I've served in several churches. I see lots of activity in churches and little impact. Little impact. To make an impact, there has to be contact. Impact occurs when you collide with something. Wherever Jesus went, He collided with the kingdom of darkness. Why? Because the kingdom of darkness enveloped the world He was in. And guess what? It hasn't changed. So if you and I begin to move out in the power of the gospel, we will collide with the kingdom of darkness. It's inevitable. You won't go four or five steps until you run smack dab face face with it. Okay? If Jesus had played football, and I realize He didn't, and I realize for some of you this would be a terrible illustration, okay? But for me, it it speaks. If Jesus had played football, He would have been what we call an impact player. How many of you know what an impact player is? An impact player might be on defense, or He might be on offense. But every time there's a play, there's a potential for that player 
to make an impact. If it's a defensive back, it's, it's the way in which he comes up and he hits when he makes a tackle. If it's a running back, whenever he touches the ball, if he's an impact player, he has the potential to go all the way every time. Not every running back has that potential, but there are some. If it's a quarterback, he has the potential to change the game with one play. That's an impact player. And Jesus was an impact player. Now I want to ask you this. Can we be an impact player? Can Eagles Wing be an impact player? I think so if we learn to use the authority that God has given us to use. Now I'm going to pick up some speed, okay? i got to. It's not a good sign when you're only one page of your notes into your sermon and uh, time slipping away. So I'm going to pick up the speed a little bit, okay? Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 tells us how to do this. Or it tells us, it gives us a picture. Let me put it that way. I believe that the apostles, and, and I believe Jesus, number one, was the prototype. And then I believe the apostles were the prototypes that followed Jesus. And we are to follow them. We are to do what they did. They were doing what Jesus did. And in turn, we do what they did. I want you to listen to what Jesus told His his 12 apostles to do. And He appointed 12 that they might be with Him. Now, that's the, the key right there. That they might be with Him. That He might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. They were to commune with Jesus. We are to commune with Jesus. We are to get to know Jesus Christ. We are to spend time with Jesus Christ. And when we do that, that message that He's given us to proclaim burns within us. And then we're to go out and proclaim that message. But then we're to demonstrate it. And the way that that Jesus intended them to do it was whenever they met the darkness, they were to deal with it. They were not to go... Pastor Nelson, we've got a problem. Uh, ma'am, I, don't, I, I have a problem and I need you to deal with it. I'm not the Ghostbuster, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. We are all supposed to be able to deal with the darkness whenever we encounter it. Okay? Do you realize that you would never encounter it if God had not placed you there to encounter it? You didn't find it on your own. God led you there. So they were to commune with Jesus. And they were to get to know Him. And as they got to know Him, they were to begin to proclaim the truth that He was teaching. And as they proclaimed it, guess what? That message was going to stir stuff up. And whenever it stirred stuff up, you know what? They had to demonstrate that what they were preaching was true. You ever told something and then it was like somebody said, okay, big boy, back that up? Well, that's the idea. The devil would step up in those situations. And we looked at one last week where Jesus comes to the synagogue, preaches his sermon, and the first thing that happens is, guess what? The devil jumps up and says, I don't like this. I'm losing my church here. And Jesus dealt with him. That's what I'm talking about. If, if if you struggle with with uh, the Matthew passage, you'll probably I mean the Mark passage, you'll probably struggle with the Matthew passage found in, in chapter ten, verse seven and eight. Jesus says, "As you go, and literally as you are going." See, we we develop witnessing programs. Nothing wrong with them. We have Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon witnessing. But but the the method of Scripture is, is as we are going, as we go through our daily life. That's what that passage means. As you're going, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. In other words, do unto others as God has done to you. What has God done in your life? What prayer has He answered in your life? then you are called to proclaim that and to demonstrate that in the life of others. That's the gospel. These disciples and these followers of Jesus obeyed, and God bless their efforts. What would happen, folks, if we just simply did what God told us to do? What what would happen? Well, I can tell you what would happen. There would be some collisions. You'd run into some things. 
And guess what? You would make an impact, and things would change. Now, I'm going to warn you right here. You would also run into the religious group, okay? And they will call you fanatics, and they will call you nuts, and they will tell you to tone down and be quiet, don't draw any attention to yourself, blah, 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 blah. In other words, enjoy this dead stuff that we're enjoying. Okay? That's what they did to Jesus. I want you to listen to this passage in, in Mark chapter 3. In fact, I'm going to read two passages, but in Mark chapter 3, verse 22 and 27, and the scribes, the, the, the religious lawyers, the men, uh, uh, the men who copied the Scriptures and who taught the Scriptures, the scribes came down from Jerusalem and were saying, He's possessed by Beelzebub. In other words, the devil lives in him. And then they would say, He cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. And Jesus called them to Himself. And, and He began to speaking to them in parables. And, and literally what Jesus did, he, he just begins to reason with them. Okay, I want you to listen to, to His line. They were saying, you know what? He's casting out demons because He's full of demons. And Jesus said this. He said, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder the house. We get all hung up on Beelzebub, and we miss the point Jesus is making. When the strong man comes, when the one who is more powerful comes, the weaker one gives way. I want you to listen to some of these plunder, finished, binds. I want to read another verse to you. Luke 11, verse 20 and 23. It's the same incident. Jesus just expands a little more. But He says, But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When the strong man, fully armed, guards his own homestead, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he relied and distributes his plunder. He who is not with me is against me, and who who does not gather with me scatters. You hear what Jesus is saying? I am the stronger man. And I have come. And I've not just defeated him. I've ripped his armor off. He's whipped. Now I'm going to let you have him. Folks, we face a defeated foe. He's whipped. And God has given us His authority and His power to deal with Him wherever we encounter Him. If that's at work, school, at home, we have that authority. It's called delegated authority. Basically, up to this point, I'm still preaching last week's message, okay? Because I don't think everybody got it. The religious people of Jesus' day attributed the power that Jesus was exercising to the devil. They were literally saying that this is not the Holy Spirit. This is the devil. And you know what Jesus said about that? Jesus called that the unpardonable sin. You ever want to know what the unpardonable sin is? Listen to this verse here in Mark chapter 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, all sin shall be forgiven the sons of men. And whoever blasphemes, whatever blasphemies they utter, They'll be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they're saying he has an unclean spirit. They were literally saying that what the Holy Spirit is doing in this situation is not God. It's, it's, it's the devil. It's not the Holy Spirit. Folks, can I just warn you? Just because you don't understand what the Spirit of God is doing in a situation, be careful what you say. Be careful of making light of it. You know, it's better to shut up and just go away saying, you know what, I'm not sure I agree with that or I'm not sure I care for that than it is to say, you know what, that's the devil. I've heard men stand in their pulpits and proclaim stuff that I'm thinking, ooh, ooh that scares me to death. You know, it's okay to say, you know what, I don't agree with that. 
But to take that step and say, you know what, that's of the devil. That's what the scribes were doing. That's what the scribes were doing. I don't always understand the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I'm going to let God sort that stuff out. Now, what had literally happened is that the finger of God had brushed up against these religious leaders. Heaven had come to earth. The kingdom was right there. And they missed it. And what's worse is they ridiculed it. And folks, there are always going to be people who tell you that this stuff that we're reading about doesn't happen anymore. They're always going to be out there. Their number is legion. There are always going to be people who say, you know what, we're more educated than these people. I'm not sure I agree with that. Okay? Because the average Jewish boy and girl could probably quote most of the Old Testament. I dare say there's anybody in here this morning. I, well, I will say this. I can't do that. Can't even come close. So I'm not sure we're better educated. Well, you know what, Nelson, that's just backwoods ignorance. Well, I'm going to live in the backwoods if Jesus is living there, okay? There's no such thing as demons. Okay, you're welcome to believe that. That's just folk religion. You know what? Jesus collided with the demonic and the devil at every turn he made in the three and a half years he was in ministry. It's all over the New Testament. And things hadn't changed. The disciples dealt with it. They used their delegated authority to deal with it. But here's where I want to get to, and this won't take just a few minutes. And I've got a few. Jesus wanted them to learn to use more than just their delegated authority. Every one of us in this room this morning that knows Christ has delegated authority. We were all given delegated authority. Okay? I don't think any of us were given any more than anybody else. It's a part of the package, okay? None of us are more saved than anybody else. If you're saved, you're saved, okay? The same with the Holy Spirit. you got the Holy Spirit. Now, you can develop a deeper relationship with Him if you go after Him, but we all got the same amount because there's, there's an amount that you need to be saved, okay? I don't know what that amount is. The same is true about delegated authority. We all got... A gun, if, if you liken delegated authority to, to a gun with, with, with bullets in it, it's loaded. All of us got a loaded gun, okay? But Jesus wanted them to add to that with something I call earned authority, okay? And that's, that's what I want to just, I want to finish up today with is just earned authority. Earned authority is gained through experience by utilizing your faith, okay? There's delegated authority, but then what happens is that delegated authority begins to elevate as you earn authority. He wanted, the Holy, he wanted His disciples to trust the Holy Spirit and to step out in faith. He wanted them to act as though He were not there. Does that make sense? He, he wanted, well, maybe not as though He weren't there. He wanted them to act when He wasn't there, just like they would act when He was there. Does that make sense? And so what He did is He trained them and He taught them, and then He gave them opportunities. And when they exercised those opportunities, guess what happened? Their authority increased. They earned authority. Let me give you an illustration. Every police officer has delegated authority whether he's been with the police force for 40 years or he's just three days on the job. He has delegated authority. He has the ability to carry out the laws of the land. Everybody agree? He's got a gun. He's got a badge. Okay? He, he has the authorization from, from, from whatever government to do that. But the earned authority that that officer has comes from working every day in the trenches and doing what his superiors tell him to do, and building relationships in the neighborhood. Does that make sense? You learn to trust him. And what happens? His authority begins to grow, and it elevates. And so what happens over time is he's faithful. No rookie has earned authority. He has to exercise the delegated authority and prove himself. And then he grows I want to show you what I mean. Jesus and some of His disciples 
come away from a very amazing spiritual experience. It's, it's the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is up on, on top of that mountain. And He's taken uh, John and Matthew, I mean, excuse me, John and Peter. And uh, I can't think of the other one, but it'll come in a minute. James. Peter, James, and John. They've all been with Him. And while He was on that mountain, literally... God speaks. And, and Jesus transfigured. He becomes glowing white. The, the Shekinah glory of God begins to, to show through. And they, I mean, it's, a, it's an awesome experience. They come down the hill, and guess what the first thing they run into is? The darkness. They had a mountaintop experience. And now all of a sudden, boom, collision. Who's going to make the impact? He descends on the mountain, and this is what happens in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21. And when they came, and literally, as they were coming down the mountain, to, the mul- to a multitude, there's a crowd down there gathered. A man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. Literally, the word there, he's moonstruck. Now, in some places, that'll be tr- translated uh, epileptic. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why the translators wanted to do that because that's, it, it just means moonstruck, okay? And in this case, it literally mean, it meant he was demonized, okay? And he's very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, and he's speaking here to the crowd, okay? Oh, unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him. And the devil came out of him, and the boy was cured at once, literally at that very hour. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately. And, you know, I can just see them. Hmm. Why could we not cast it out? Why could we not do it? Well, you would think Jesus would say, I'm God and you're not. That's not what he said. And Jesus said to him, said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith in a mustard as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. But this kind this kind. Folks, most of them are this kind. Okay? This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus wants all of us to deal with this kind. Why couldn't His disciples deal with this kind? Because they'd watch Jesus and they'd learn some steps and they'd learn some words to say. And, and they did what the words were, and they took the steps, but they didn't exercise a whole lot of faith, and nothing happened. And they couldn't understand, well, we're Jesus' disciples. And, and I imagine that spirit said, who cares? Who cares who you are? You know what? And they said, well, maybe we're not as strong as we thought we were. And so he just hunkered down a little bit deeper, and nothing happened. Jesus come down, comes down, rebukes him, tells him to shut up and get out, just like last week. Shut up, get out, and guess what happens? He shuts up and gets out. Why? Because Jesus had delegated authority, but because He had used His authority day after day after day, He had earned authority. And the enemy knows what earned authority is. Okay, He knows we all have delegated authority. The problem... For us is that most of us don't know we have delegated authority. So he's not real concerned about it. But when all of a sudden we begin to put into place and act in faith and do the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do immediately when he tells us to do it, what happens is all of a sudden that earned authority begins to build. And the enemy all of a sudden takes notice of who we are in Christ. Not who we are, but who we are in Christ. And folks, Jesus wants all of us all of us, to use earned authority. But the only way you get earned authority is to, is to step out in faith and act. You know what? You can be scared and still act in faith. You can be shaken like a leaf and still act in faith. 
You can do that. When the Holy Spirit says do it, do it. Don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Whatever situation it is, act. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit works. And all of a sudden, your experience level goes up a little bit. And as your experience goes up, guess what happens? Your earned authority level goes up. Why did the disciples not do it? Because basically they didn't exercise any faith. They were using formulas and methods that they'd seen Jesus do. But you know what? Dealing with the darkness is not about formulas and methods. It's about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when He says do something, do it. Now, let me give you a couple examples and we're through of what earned authority looks like. And, and some of the best ones are, are found in the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to understand, Paul never traveled with Jesus. Okay? That means Paul never got to sit at Jesus' feet as he was training the other apostles. As he was tra- Paul comes along and, and comes to Christ after the resurrection. And so, Paul literally had the Scriptures. God spoke to him from time to time. But he never had Jesus to actually show him how to do it physically. And yet Paul exhibits delegated authority and earned authority. He may have been the greatest Christian that's ever lived. Listen to, to Acts chapter 16. Verse 16 through 18. This familiar story. And it happened as we were... Luke's writing this. It, it, and it happened as we were going to the place of prayer, a certain slave girl having a spirit of divination met us. She was demonized, okay? Who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bond servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you a way. Now, your, your translation may say the way, but in the, in the original text, it's, it had, there's no article there. And that's why this this is why Paul did not want this this girl saying this. They're proclaiming a way, a way, a way, a way of salvation. And she continued doing this for many days. Don't you remember that? But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. Paul used the command authority of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why didn't he do that on the first day? Second day. Third day. I'm not sure what many days means there, but it means more than one. Why did he not use it the very first day? Here's my thought. Because the Holy Spirit didn't tell him to. But when the Holy Spirit did tell him to, he turned and he said, Come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, Boom! That spirit left. He used his delegated authority. And when he spoke, you could tell he knew what he was doing. He was using his earned authority. Every time Paul obeyed the Spirit of God, whether it was big things or things we don't even read about, he earned authority. And what happened is he began to operate at what we would think a miraculous level, an amazing level. How many of you think that, that some of the things that Paul did, are, they're just dadgum amazing? Let's just be honest. I mean, when, 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 well, I'll just give you a passage here and I'll show you. This, I read, every time I read this, I'm just amazed. Acts 19, verse 11. And God was performing not just miracles, extraordinary miracles. Now, let's just be real honest here. When I see a miracle, it's just extraordinary. Amen? This is the Holy Spirit writing this. Paul, and God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and evil spirits went out. There's another place that, that talks about literally that when, his, when he was walking along the street and his shadow was passing over people, that, that their, their lives were changed, that, that they were healed. Is it because Paul is, is, is something special? No, folks. It's because the God 
of Paul. The Holy Spirit in Paul is special. And Paul became a vessel that would allow the Spirit of God to flow through him. And so Paul's earned authority is rising. So literally, they're taking cloths from him. By the way, they didn't have to order them and give a donation to get one, okay? Just, just a point there, okay? I don't mean to be ugly, but just a point. So my point is, is that he's got earned authority. Now, I want, to, I want to read just a little bit and we're done. Just a few verses. I want to show you what earned authority looks like in the supernatural world. Okay? You continue this passage and it says that, uh, but there were also, there, but, oh, there's a contrast here. They're taking cloths from Paul and it's, it's casting demons out and healing people, but there's a contrast here. Also, some of the Jewish exorcists. It's interesting. Uh, they're called exorcists. That's, you never see that word used with Jesus or the apostles. The Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempt, attempted to name over those who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Okay, now, this is a humorous story, okay? It really is. They're basically, they've seen this work, so they just say, you know, I add this to my bag of tricks, and we'll, we'll just use that phrase. I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, finally, one day, they ran into a big, ugly spirit that wasn't really impressed with them. I want to read what it says. And there were seven sons of, of one Sceva, a Jewish high priest, they were doing this. And obviously they were doing it all over the place. And one day they, they run into this spirit. And this is what this spirit says. He answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus. I know. The word is, is the, is the uh, Greek word to know intimately. To know we recognize Jesus. We know who He is. Then He says this, I know all about Paul. In other words, I've got credible information on who He is. But who are you? And if we go on with the story, basically the man that's got the Spirit in him jumps on these seven sons, beats the tar out of them, strips them naked, and they run off. Okay, It's a pretty funny story. We know Jesus. We've heard of Paul. Who are you? How did they hear about Paul? Because his authority had continued to rise. Everywhere he went, he acted in the power of the Holy Spirit. And folks, the kingdom of darkness had heard about him. Would to God the kingdom of darkness knew who Eagle's Wing Church is. That it trembles and flees whenever one of the members or a few of the members go into a place. When, when one of us go to work, the kingdom of darkness steps back and says, hmm, we've heard of them. We know what they're capable of. We know who their God is. We know what they're capable of God is doing. And you know what? They trust Him so much, they'll actually do it when He says that we've got to be real careful. Folks, there's not a lot of that going on in the world we live in today. My point is, is that Paul had earned a higher level of authority based on just being obedient. We have delegated authority. We have it. But it's useless until we start to use it. And when we start to use it, folks, we earn more favor, in a sense, because we've learned how to use when you, when you, it. I'm trying to think of, of something, but I'm, let's just use target practice. If you go out and do target practice enough, and you can see halfway decent, you'll get better at it. You know what? If you'll just do the stuff that Jesus did every once in a while, you know what? You'll get better at it. And the devil will recognize it. And he will back up and he will leave you alone. Folks, if we could just learn to use the stuff God has already given us. Remember last week I told you that there's no use to pray about something if God's given it to, already given it you the authority to do it. He's not going to answer that prayer. He expects us to act. What if we just begin to act with what He's given us? I can tell you what will happen. 
Your house will change. Your kids will change. Your marriage will change. The friends that that you have uh, communion with, some of that will change. Your workplace will change. Everything will change if we'll just begin to step out and not just proclaim, but demonstrate. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.